Blog Talk Radio. They deserve your chance MVP. I mean, it won't be this year, but it won't be long. I mean, this kid, if you stay in you can just see it. The Sixers have an extremely bright future. Not only a ton of great draft picks going forward, cap space, flexibility, great young talent on the roster. I'm not questioning any of that. I'm not appreciates effort, the city demands effort, and the work that people are putting in will be rewarded. That's all I can do is, is, is hope my voice means something to guys that's younger than me and guys that us guys paved the way for. Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky blomain Welcome back for the holiday break edition of the 76ers Report. As always, I'm your host, Jeff McLennan, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Sixers Insider for 97.3 ESPN, Michael Kasky-Blomain. You can follow the show on the app Stitcher and iTunes, and make sure to follow the show as well on Twitter at 76ers Report. And, uh, you know, we apologize for a little bit of an absence here, a lot going on with, you know, the holidays, life in general, But, you know, back to discuss all things Sixers here as the season is now more than a third of the way through. Uh, Mike, how was the holiday break? You know, how was that treating you? And did you come away with any Sixers gifts this year? (laughs) Uh, It's been treating me pretty well so far. I can't complain. Pretty pretty busy in general. But, uh, you know, it's always good to be able to spend a little time with family and whatnot. Um, no Sixers gear. I'm hoping maybe a, a win over the Kings tonight in, uh, in Sacramento will be a, a delayed Christmas gift from the team to uh, us fans. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, and I, I mean, really, I think the biggest gift to all of us, all of us this year has been the play of Joel Embiid. It goes without saying, but, you know, the big man's averaging 18.4 points, 7.3 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks in just – 24 minutes a game. Uh, All-Star voting has now opened up to the fans. You know, there's been a large display of support on Twitter for Embiid now. Um, We all know that the media and the coaches will have, you know, a 50% sway of opinion for the voting process this year. But, you know, in your personal opinion, you know, just watching him progress now, you know, in these past few games um, even – you know, do you think Joel has done enough to get in to that all-star game? Uh, I mean, the Sixers fan in me of course, says, of course, you know, uh, I honestly think he has, in an unbiased view, I do think he has one of the, the brightest, if not the most brightest future of any center in the NBA going forward uh, at this point, just based off, you know, the skill set that he's displayed in the first, uh, you know, third of the season so far up to this point. Completely realistically, though, I don't think he'll get an all-star nod this year. Uh, I think this, the minute restriction combined with the, you know, the, the games that he's just had to miss based on, uh, you know, the the plan that the team has set out for him, I think that there will be other players that have just played more, uh, quite frankly, more minutes and more games that uh, will probably get the nod over him. But, you know, at the same time, the support that, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of people trying to get him in from the fan base and whatnot. That's, uh, you know, that's really good to see, obviously, that there's, you know, so much support for him 
already. But, uh, you know, uh, it's definitely something I would like to see. And if it doesn't happen this year, it's, uh, it, you know, it looks like something that will happen, you know, many times in the future, which is definitely great to see. Yeah, I mean, just looking through kind of the short list here of centers in the East, you've got obviously Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond, uh, Dwight Howard. Um, you know, I, I guess even you could consider Al Horford a center there. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely some good talent. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a factor, obviously it's 50% of the vote, but, you know, if Joel Embiid is miles ahead of the competition there in the fan vote, you know, do you think that gives him a nod over a guy like Dwight Howard, over a guy like Al Horford? Do you think, you know, the the poll that the fans want to see this guy on a stage like All-Star Weekend, do you think the NBA will follow suit? You know, it's tough to say, honestly. I've never been, you know, firsthand involved in the, you know, obviously the, the all-star selection process other than from the, the media uh, standpoint of it. But I, I do think that there's a possibility, you know, there's a lot of excitement finally. The Sixers obviously haven't had an all-star in, uh, you know, quite a few years going back to, you know, Drew and then Iggy uh, before him. So, you know, it's been a few years. It's obviously one of the league's bigger basketball markets, um, you know, having the city of Philadelphia engaged with the team and excited about the players is, uh, you know, it's great for the city and for the league at large. So I do think that, that would carry, uh, you know, uh, at least a little bit of weight, how much the city would like to, uh, you know, see him in, in there that weekend. And, you know, if not in the all-star game, I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh, you know, I think he, he even mentioned something about it, but seeing Joel in the uh, three-point contest would be uh, pretty <laughs> uh, pretty cool to see as well. Yeah, I, me and my brother actually went back and forth about this one. You know, he hasn't really, you know, taken many attempts from three, but that percentage is obviously, you know, something ridiculous from the outside for a player his size. And, you know, it, if there's enough people kind of clamoring for it, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Kristaps Porzingis in there as well, you know, having two big men, uh, you know, who are – seemingly just budding uh, superstars in this league in the Eastern Conference facing each other in, you know, the three-point shootout. That would be something to watch. But, yeah, I, I don't know if attempts alone are something they'll look at there. You know, you mentioned games played as maybe being a reason why he would get snubbed the, the all-star uh, game vote this season. Um yeah, I think the same could be said about the number of threes he's taken. But, yeah, I mean, either way, you're definitely seeing a guy who down the road will probably be in, you know, if he stays healthy, you know, maybe the sky's the limit, like 10 or more all-star appearances. I mean, he just has has that build. He has, you know, the offensive potential, the rebounding potential, the uh, defensive potential to be among the league leader uh, every season in each one of those categories. So, um, you know, even if he doesn't get that nod this year, definitely down the road, we're going to be seeing Joel Embiid as an all-star. Obviously, go out there and vote for him on Twitter. You know, do the NBA vote hashtag. Uh, make sure to do your part to to see him in all-star weekend. But, um yeah, it, it's definitely something to be excited about. Like you said, you know, we had Drew Holiday and Andre Godala in, uh, you know, recent years, uh, within, you know, 10 years here for the organization. But 
uh, you know, it would be a great thing to kind of start this new era of Sixers basketball with, you know, a, a new face to plant there during All-Star Weekend. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it's it's been an interesting topic of conversation. You know, before the season, a fan kind of posed to me a, a hypothetical question. You know, who do you see getting in their first All-Star game uh, first down their, uh, their career? You know, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. And at that time, you know, there, there wasn't the Ben Simmons injury. So, you know, I felt like Ben Simmons would be the guy just based off of his summer league performance. And, you know, I thought that would carry over into the season. But, um, you know, with the play that Embiid has shown, it, it's just been incredible. And, you know, he should definitely be rewarded very soon for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, speaking of Ben Simmons, uh, you know, he's been practicing in a limited capacity now. He's out of his boot, back in the sneakers. Uh, we've seen the patience Sixers' ownership and coaching has gone through the past several seasons to kind of shut down players coming off a serious injury like Simmons is. Uh, he's kind of hinted at a return before All-Star Weekend to fans uh, – Mike, do you believe, you know, anything he's saying here, uh, or do you think, you know, uh, he might follow that same path as, uh, you know, former players and just kind of rest out this season and, and gear up for next season? You know, I totally believe him when he says that he's, you know, wants to return this season, that he's trying to return this season. Uh, you know, he he seems like, uh, you know, super motivated. It's It's been that way really since he's been drafted. It seems that he's just been, you know, really motivated to, you know, prove his own greatness, prove people that have kind of doubted him coming out of LSU wrong. And, uh, you know, since he's joined the Sixers and been around the guys and watched the play, you know, he's shown tons of support via social media, uh, you know, just being there, like, you know, supporting the team now from the sidelines. So I fully believe that if it was up to him and him alone, that as soon as he was ready, you know, medically cleared by the doctors, he would be out on the court this season. Now, the thing is, obviously, there's outside factors to play into this decision. Like you mentioned, the Sixers' recent history, obviously, you know, or like over resting, if you will, honestly, given them, you know, given the players ample time that they need to recover. And then there's the, you know, the, obviously the agent and, and the business side of it. If, you know, it's, if he's cleared at the beginning of February and the Sixers are, you know, 17 and, and 40 or whatever, and very far out of contention, what's, you know, the, the, his side of things from the agents could be, you know, well, what's the point of having him come back at this point? And there's still, you know, there's still a possibility that that could happen. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on the fact that we will see him this season, but I, I am sold on the fact that if it was solely up to him, uh, you know, he, he would be out there. It's just a matter of, you know, how the business side of things kind of shakes out and at what point, uh, you know, at what point he's fully cleared, I think will make a big difference too. If there's, you know, a decent chunk of the season left when the doctors give him the okay to get, you know, back into full contact and playing ball, then I think that that's an undertaking that becomes more likely as opposed to if it's, you know, not till around like the all-star break or slightly before in February, sometime like that, where there's only 15, 20 games left tops. And you start to wonder, you know, is it really worth bringing him into this for, you know, such a limited time. But, uh, you know, that's obviously something that Sixers fans are really looking forward to, especially, you know, seeing now what we have in MB, the thought of, you know, pairing him on the court with Simmons is, uh, you know, super exciting. So, obviously, that's, uh, you know, something we'll all be paying close attention to. Yeah, and, I mean, 
many people have written about it, just you know, Brian Colangelo's thoughts on, on him coming back to the team and, you know, uh, playing that point guard position and really running the floor with this group of, you know, big men here with Embiid and Noel and Okafor, uh, you know, Ilyasova, Covington, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Uh, you know, do you think that by the time Simmons comes back, this whole you know, roster will be intact? Do you think, um, you know, are you still reading into kind of the trade rumors where they have to get something done here? Because it, it really does seem like Brian Colangelo is kind of sitting on his hands at, at this point, and, you know, he he keeps claiming he's not going to do anything detrimental to the team. He's still evaluating the big men, but I think – anyone who watches Sixers basketball has done enough personal evaluation of their own to really know the answer to the question of which big man needs to go. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the whole issue? Do you think, um, you know, when that trade deadline comes, someone will be moved on this roster? Yeah, I, I do think that. I think it. I think it has to be done. You know, I've been under that. I think a lot of us, obviously, you and I have talked about this a bunch of times. But you know, it's gotten to the point now, finally, that it's not speculative anymore. You know, for so long we were saying, you know, when Embiid's healthy, then these three guys are out here, and then you know, Embiid was healthy for the first month, and Noel wasn't, so it was only two of. So it took, you know, less than a handful of games with all three of the guys, uh, as in, you know, obviously Embiid, Okafor, and Noel being healthy and playing together for, you know, stuff just to go crazy. Obviously, you know, Noel's comments uh, getting out of the rotation and Brian Colangelo's comments. Uh, and despite the fact that he said that, you know, there he continues to insist that he's not in a rush to make a move, and, you know, that's technically the right thing to say. He's not going to make a, a bad move for the franchise. Yeah, you know, obviously that's not something that anyone wants him to do. But in reality, there's zero indication that Nerlens would even be interested in re-signing here after the season if the team was, you know, interested in offering him the money that he'll probably command on the open market, which is also there's been no indication from. So, you know, the absolute likelihood is that Noel is going to be gone after the season anyway. He's going to walk. So I can't imagine that, you know, Brian Colangelo wouldn't be wise enough basically to, you know, recoup what they, what they can for him, you know, sometime between now and the trade deadline and to make a move. Uh, you know, I think there's a good possibility at this point, judged based off watching both of these guys play the season, that, that Noel and Okafor are both, uh, you know, moved at some point. I just Noel is more kind of an urgent situation obviously Okafor still has uh you know this year and then two more under his rookie uh contract with you know team control that they could move him at a pretty uh you know a pretty reasonable rate going forward where Noel's situation obviously is more pressing considering his restricted free agency status at the end of the season so you know I think a move has to be made nothing has really changed for me to say that uh you know obviously Noel and Embiid have played on a, a very limited amount together uh, you know at this point as we record this maybe you know, if they try that out more and something really happens to, you know, seem to be clicking between the two of them and, and they, re, you know, potentially rethink the position. But, you know, as it looks right now and as it's basically seems since, you know, over the summer or media day, it seems that Noel kind of is, is the odd man out at this point and by, you know, not no one's fault necessarily. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of blame to go around, I guess, but it's the reality of the situation. And I think, you know, a move just needs to be made and I think it will be. 
Yes, I mean, it's it's really crazy just to see through this all, you know, the constant conversations everyone is having about Nerland Noel and, you know, his future with the team and uh, Okafor, his future with the team, um, you know, to see the type of reaction Noel received uh, during that uh, Pelicans game, you know, standing ovation from the fans, um, Joel Embiid, talking him up after the game, you know, calling him his best friend on the team and, um, you know, really getting behind Nerlens. Do you think that has, you know, any factor in Nerlens Noel wanting to stay in Philadelphia, um, you know, in the ownership's um, decision to keep Noel in Philadelphia, you know, because there really hasn't been any kind of reaction positively towards Joel Okafor the same way, you know, it's been shown towards Noel? I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, maybe Embiid's comments to to an extent, because I think, uh, you know, obviously Embiid's established himself as as the team's best player right now moving forward. And, you you know, you certainly want to accommodate or at least listen and hear out your, you know, the, the wishes of your best player. And I think, I do think uh, Embiid's comments, um, you know, resulted in the fact that, <laughs> excuse me, that Noel ended up playing, uh, you know, very after Brett said that he was probably going to be out of the lineup for an extended time or whatever, he ended up being back in the lineup and finally playing alongside Joel after Joel said that, you know, he would like to play with Maryland. But, uh, you know, I don't think that necessarily that it'll, you know, affect the decision long-term. I think, you know, Nerlens is kind of – I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I'm, I'm speaking from my perspective from what I've seen. He just seems kind of – over the situation. I mean, Embiid is clearly the starting center going forward. I just don't, I've seen no indications, even even if they're best runs off the court, that Nerlens would be cool with kind of accepting a secondary role. Even if, say, Okafor were to be out of the equation, I think Nerlens kind of feels and wants to be a starting, uh, you know, he, he's a center in, in the NBA. He wants to be a starting center, and it's, it's not going to happen in Philly as long as, obviously, Joel Embiid is here and healthy. So uh, I think that, you know, it's nice to see New Orleans kind of still getting appreciated by the fans, uh, you know, maybe even a little bit overappreciated uh, at this point. And I think some fans have kind of overinflated New Orleans value, uh, which is weird to say. I mean, I've, I've been a New Orleans guy since he was drafted. <laughs> I was, you know, initially when the uh, debates of, you know, who should the Sixers trade first emerged early last year, I was, you know, I think you were as well. But, we, uh, you know, I was on Team New Orleans as far as, I thought he had the better long-term future with the team, but uh, you know, I, I, I kind of hold by the, the stance that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't proven a- enough yet at this point to be really making demands or setting the, the tone for the team or anything like that. And I think the team kind of recognizes that. And I, 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 I just feel as though, uh, you know, the two sides going their separate ways is kind of inevitable at this point, uh, you know, regardless of you know external factors. Once again, this is the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McBenman, alongside Michael Katsky, Blow Maine. And, um, you know, regarding the Nerland situation, obviously that'll play itself out. Another thing we're kind of paying attention to at this point in the season, um, as the season really progresses here, is that number one pick, or first-round pick, excuse me, that, uh, you know, may or may not convey – uh, next season, uh, you know, regarding that Lakers first rounder there, uh, the Lakers are currently in the eighth worst positioning for, you know, that, that first round pick. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. 
um, you know, do you think that, you know, after all the waiting we've had for this Lakers pick, that this is finally the year? Do you see, you know, the Sixers having these, these two top picks in the draft? And do you think this is, you know, finally going to be what everyone's been waiting for in this Michael Carter-Williams trade? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, as much as I like MCW, too, and as much as I, you know, appreciated his time here, he was always, like, really cool to me personally as far as, like, a media member. The Sixers got the best of that trade. I mean, he's obviously, you know, uh, with the Bulls now, his third team in two years. So, you know, the obviously there's been some waiting involved, but it's, it's not like the Sixers gave up on a guy that's flourished elsewhere, uh, you know, as some – Philly uh, media members, I'm not going to say any names, but, you know, have been hammering hinky about that trade. It's not a, you know, I think that that's kind of a moot, moot point <laughs> at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think this will be the year that, that it comes over. I think that, you know, uh, you know, the, I think the Lakers are in a position to land, you know, not not in the playoffs, not at the very bottom of the lottery, which, uh, you know, is, is pretty ideal for that pick to come over. Obviously, we'll have our own, um, you know, top, five assuming uh you know pick and you know i think that like you said this is two two straight lotteries we've kind of been waiting for that to to translate and now that there's you know pieces in place already uh kind of i think as as sam had, had envisioned there'll be you know picks coming to add to it obviously uh the the king uh pick swap is still in place although, although the kings are uh I think currently in the playoffs as we talk right now in, in the West, so that's not uh, looking like it would, might come over this year. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that this will be the year that we finally get to see what we traded, um, you know, the the 2013-14 Rookie of the Year for. Was that a uh, a slight jab at Philly.com there, Mike? <laughs> Maybe just a, a, a small, subtle one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, it's always an interesting time period. You know, you go through the holiday season here. It's January. All of a sudden, before you know it, the trade deadline is is approaching, and, you know, you got to get into that. Um, You know, brace yourself. It's probably not going to be the same situation as in past years with Sam Hinkie there where you're on edge constantly. You know, I don't think Brian Colangelo really has the chaps to to make too many – you know, blockbuster moves here, but, you know, it, it is interesting. He has some chips on the table to use. Um, you know, our, our good friend, Kerry Smith has, has talked about how Ersan Ilyasova has really, you know, played himself into one of those tradable chips here. You know, he'd be a great, um, you know, shooter off the bench for one of these championship contender teams here coming up. Um, you know, do you think outside of that obvious front court situation with Noel, with Okafor, uh, Ilyas Sova's a guy that other teams may be willing to to pay for here to get off the Sixers' hand? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I think uh, I mean he's a flawed player. He, he definitely is. You know, he's not. He's far from perfect. But I do think that he's kind of like exactly like you said. He's the perfect player that. You know, if you need the role that he fills, he and you're, you know, you're a team that's looking to, you know, contend and make that step and make the playoff push. He's a guy that seems like, you know, he can he like integrate pretty like effortlessly, and you know, spread spreading the floor from the front court is obviously, uh, you know, one of the most valuable things in the NBA today, and that's, uh, 
you know, obviously what he does from the floor position, he's, you know, a guy that can <clears throat> knock it down. He's, you know, he's not afraid to mix it up inside a little bit too. He's I, honestly, he's proven to be a little less soft than I guess kind of my preconceived notion of him was before he came to Philly. I thought he was a, you know, which he is. I thought he was, you know, solely a shooter, but he, he can mix it up a little bit. He obviously has a, you know, a penchant for taking charges. I think he leads the NBA in, uh, in charges taken kind of like a a scrappy guy in that regard so overall I do think he's a guy that you know a lot of uh you know not necessarily the top level championship teams but those mid-level teams like a a team like the Rockets this comes off the top of my mind he would fit in obviously very well in that D'Antoni system like the Grizzlies teams like that I think could would, would be interested in him come the trade deadline uh, and it's just a matter of, I think Colangelo commented about that the Sixers would potentially be interested in, you know, holding on to him past this season. I don't know uh, if that would necessarily make sense or if that's like, you know, something that is feasible or if it was just something he was talking about. But uh, yeah, I do think that he could serve as a nice trade ship come the, the trade deadline. Obviously the, uh, the big thing will, will be, <laughs> I think will be, it won't, like you said, I, I'm fully in agreement. I don't think that Brian Colangelo will, uh, pull off the, the hinky-esque moves that have been happening over the you know the past couple of draft uh, or trade deadline days. But if, if no move is made up until the trade deadline and, you know, that day comes with, and, uh, you know, Nerlens and Ja and, and they're still on the roster, that will be, uh, you know, that will be pretty inter-trade deadline, I think, for the Sixers fan base. I think they'll be uh, re- refreshing their Twitter feeds every couple of seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we found out about that MCW one until about 30 minutes after the trade deadline expired. So, you know, you never know during this time. It's always crazy. But, yeah, I mean, at least without Hinky, I think we'll be a little left on edge uh, knowing Brian Colangelo is at the helm. He might even, you know, get the deal done at, like, you know, 7 p.m. so that he can have his, his early dinner the night before. And uh, you know, not even worry about anything the day of. So, um, so, so we'll see what happens. I, I mean, Arisan Ilyasova, there is an interesting stat from uh, John Schumann of NBA.com. He just uh, talked about how good uh, the Sixers front court has been offensively with uh, Arisan on the court. Um, you know, with, with Arisan and Joel, they have a plus 25 net rating offensively uh, when he's off the court um, and Embiid's on the court, they're minus 51. Um, same thing, you know, uh, on the court with Okafor, uh, they're minus 57. Um, and if it's Ilyasova and no Embiid, they're minus 79. Uh, it, it's just uh Interesting stat, you know, it doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, it's a stat nonetheless. I, I think, you know, there is some merit to what Ersan's done here, but, you know, when you talk about the future, he's just, you know, this guy doesn't really fit that billing. You know, he might give us some outside shooting this season, but beyond this season, uh, I mean, I don't see him fitting in the rotation with, you know, guys like Dario needing minutes, uh, Simmons coming back in the fray, um, with Noel healthy now and Okafor, you know, seemingly meeting, needing minutes at this point, you know, there's just a lot of people to give minutes to. And I think, you know, that's kind of been the problem we've talked about, you know, all season here, uh, regarding the Sixers and, you know, what they're going to do with those minutes and, 
Um, you know, that's ultimately up to Brett Brown and Brian Colangelo. Um, but, you know, speaking of Brett, uh, obviously he was kind of under the microscope to start the season here with the Sixers. Um, you know, a lot of head-scratching, you know, late-game coaching uh, lapses there that led to uh, Sixers' losses that, you know, easily could have been victories on the other side of things. Um, you know, there hasn't been too many of those recently, but, you know, the Sixers are, you know, 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Not great. You know, second-worst record in the NBA, uh, which obviously is good for draft purposes, but um, definitely not the type of season most fans were expecting here. Um, you know, where do you see kind of Brett's uh, situation at this point, uh, as I'll put it, with the Sixers? And, you know, do you think that he's still going to get really more time to show his coaching ability when Ben Simmons gets back before any, you know, move is kind of made there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's any sort of rush to make a move on Brett Brown. He's been dealt like a, a crazy deck to, to evaluate him based off the lineup that there were. I mean, Brian Colangelo sat on his hands all summer and, you know, gave him this, this roster to deal with, not to mention the fact that Ben Simmons is out. I think, you know, obviously you mentioned there was, you know, a couple of coaching errors at the beginning of the season as far as, you know, OTBs or, you know, has, he makes some has made some questionable roster decisions. But, I mean, I honestly don't think that – I don't know what else could really be expected of him other than, like you said, I mean, there's there was a couple of situations where maybe a late-game decision early on could have resulted in, in another win or two. But, you know, in, in the scheme of things in this season, I don't think uh, – it was another year where development has been the was the main thing. Uh, you know, Embiid obviously has looked good. He's done his best, I think, to put Sarich in, <clears throat> in some situations to succeed. And he's really hamstrung, honestly, just by the, you know, the situation of, of the front court right now. He's, you know, I think he's been pretty diplomatic in the media about it. But, uh, you know, as far as making a cohesive roster, it's just been really difficult. He's, you know, kind of juggled things. And then the fact, obviously, that Simmons hasn't been in the lineup. Um, you know, that's not to say that he doesn't deserve to be critiqued. Uh, you know, obviously, this is professional basketball. Everything, you know, everything he does should be, and, you know, I think is is critiqued. But just with the season, kind of the way it's shaken out, with no no move being made, the injuries, obviously, to Nerland at the beginning of the season, Simmons still, Jared Bayless is out, uh, you know, Okafor was on a minute restriction. I think there's just, a, you know, a lot of things for him to juggle to at the very start of the season. The team never really had any sort of, like, balance. It was already trying to incorporate a whole bunch of new guys, the, the veteran free agents, a couple of rookies, you know, guys that hadn't been on the team before. Uh, so, you know, if I, I'm not, I'm still firmly in the, you know, he's not he doesn't deserve or shouldn't be fired camp, uh, you know, as I've been, if if a move were to be made, I certainly think it would be after the season. I, I don't see – you know, any benefit in making, you know, the team making a coaching change in the middle of this season, uh, you know, it would, it would kill any sort of, uh, not that they really have any sort of continuity, but, you know, any, anything they have going as far as chemistry and teamwork would be, you know, completely uprooted for, you know, it's not like they're going to the, the postseason. There's nothing to contend for. Um, you know, I think the the fairest thing to do would be to wait till the season's over, see if Ben comes back, watch how, you know, see what kind of unfolds with the big man situation. And then, you know, like you said, we'll have, a, you know, another good draft 
position uh, coming next summer, one, potentially two high lottery picks, more talent coming in. I think next summer after, you know, when this season's done, you take a step back and, you know, assess what Brett has done. Um, you know, it's obviously up to, you know, Brian Colangelo and his staff at that point uh, to make the decision to whether they, he's the guy that they want to go forward um, with. Uh, you know, at that point, he would, he'll at least been here for an entire season with Brett. He'll be able to interact with them get an idea moving forward. I think that, you know, making a move at any point in this season will kind of just be kind of for no benefit, honestly, other than just to make a move, you know, what, who would you replace him with even, you know, coaches, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities usually open up after the season. It's not like there's a, you know, a line of, you know, esteemed NBA coaches waiting at, at Fargo center to take Brett Brown's job. <laughs> All right. You know, you know, so I, I just don't think that I don't think, well, I do agree that, you know, he's done things that are worthy of critique. I think overall that he's, you know, been dealt a pretty difficult situation and I think deserves at least the benefit of the doubt until this season is over. So I mentioned, uh, you know, Dario Saric a little earlier and, um, you know, his play of late, um, you know, he's currently behind Joel Embiid. Well, I'll put it this way way behind Joel Embiid right now on NBA.com's rookie ladder, but he is, you know, currently number two on the list uh, in terms of, you know, the best rookie seasons this year. Um, you know, it it seems like things have kind of quieted down um, in terms of the Dario hype, but he is still putting up, you know, solid numbers uh, so far this season. Uh, they, have mentioned how they really want to kind of groom Sarge to play the three. Um, we've, we've kind of mentioned he might not have the, the speed or the size to really cover, you know, the wing position in the NBA, uh, maybe as well as he did in Europe. Um, but, I mean, do you think that as soon as Simmons returns, that's really the, the spot he's going to be at? at that uh that three spot um you know for the foreseeable future you know i I think the four really seems to be his best spot it's just uh unfortunate that you know to be a starter with what the sixers have right now he might have to get pushed to the three which it could be good uh you know to kind of force him to expand his skill set but you know like you said uh, at this point, he hasn't really necessarily demonstrated the, the quickness to really, you know, post uh, to keep up with threes. And then the Sixers already have other post options where that would, you know, kind of where his advantage would come when he's playing small forward. You would assume that, you know, that he would be bigger and able to take the guy into the post. I just I think for him to succeed, his best position is at the four. Uh, it's just unfortunate, kind of like we were talking about. There's, you know, so many guys vying for time at the four, you know, right now and going forward, uh, you know, Ilya Soba coming over, I think, well, you know, he's maybe boosted his trade value and he's worked well in stints next to Embiid. I think it's definitely, uh, Sarich was probably the one that was, you know, impacted the most as far as minutes and, you know, having to, you know, change kind of his position for the team. So I think, uh, you know, that was pretty tough for him. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I think that he's been, you know, and pretty impressive with with when he's had to play the three. I think there's definitely been times where he's looked overmatched and not, uh, you know, clearly out of position. But it's something that if he really wants to, I think, see minutes going forward with the Sixers, it's something that I think he'll have to, you know, get get accustomed to. 
Yeah, I mean, when you see one and two in terms of Joel Embiid and Darius Saric in the rookie rankings, I mean, <laughs> what what do you have to say to the, the critics uh, seeing that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that, there's, <laughs> that is pretty funny. I mean, considering at the time how much, you know, how much flack both of those picks, uh, you know, took at the time. It's definitely – it's good for the fans, I think, the most to have their, you know, obviously to a small degree kind of have their patience rewarded. Uh, you know, we had to wait two full seasons for both of these guys, and now they're, you know, as they both promised, there was doubts about, you know, both being able to come and, and play for the Sixers for various reasons. Obviously, there were those saying that Sarich would never come over and those that said NBA would never be healthy. So to see them both, uh, you know, one and two on top of the uh, – you know, the rookie ladder for the season, I think, is it's definitely, you know, it's good for both of those guys, and it's good for the fan base to see. All right, well, just going to do a quick hitter here before we get out of here. Um, you know, how much do you love that Christmas uh, not only is dedicated to presents, but, you know, the terrific basketball you get to watch? Did you get a chance to see – you know, both the Knicks games and, uh, you know, the, the marquee Cavs uh, Warriors game yesterday. Yeah, I was watching sports all day yesterday. Uh, and the NBA always, uh, you know, their ability to how they kind of associated themselves with Christmas Day is great. Uh, you know, I had to take a brief break from basketball to cover the Ravens-Steelers game uh, yesterday. Took a took a brief, uh, brief break from one sort of ball for the other, but yeah, the uh, the Cavs Warriors game was uh, you know something that I had really been looking forward to, especially since it was you know the first time obviously since they met since the finals and since KD joined the team, and uh, you know it did not disappoint. That game was uh, it seemed like it was a game eight of the finals, it, like it basically picked up right where it left off, all the way down to the you know Kyrie <laughs> yeah. game game winner over Clay and uh, you know the Warriors being mad in the locker room afterwards. It was a uh, Dude, I mean, it, it was definitely awesome to see. And it, as much as I love watching the Sixers on a nightly basis, and I do, it's it's just so, uh, you know, when you go from watching, you know, like a Sixers-Suns game or a Sixers-Kings game to a, a Cavs-Warriors game on Christmas Day, it's just, uh, you know, you know, there's such a, a change almost and kind of shows you what, you know, what we have to look forward to as far as getting the team into, you know, championship-level status. Right, yeah, it, it's... I'm very envious, I guess, watching those games. Um, you know, thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in and, and listening. Uh, we'll try to, you know, get some more episodes here on a regular basis in the new year. Um, you might have noticed the new show intro. We've, we've got another couple new things coming here on the horizon. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report, and uh, we'll see you very shortly here. Peace. He deserves a champion MVP. I mean, it won't be this year, but it won't be long. I mean, this kid, if you stay as long as you can just see it. The Sixers have an extremely bright future. Not only a ton of great draft picks going forward, cap space, flexibility, great young talent on the roster. I'm not The city appreciates effort, the city demands effort, and the work that people are putting in will be rewarded. That's all I can do is, is, is hope my voice 
mean something to guys that's younger than me and guys that us guys paved the way for. Welcome to the 7th.